God's words on Easter Sunday. And if there are words that are echoing as I've been preparing this week's talk, uh, it's the words rise up. It's the words rise up. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we are to be a resurrection people, to be a rise up people. And I, I think God wants to remind us of that this morning, that we are not to be a people who just linger at the cross or the tomb. Because of today, we are a people who have a, a new day, a new day, a hope and life in all its fullness. So we're going to read from Luke 24, 1 to 12, if you've got your Bible with you. And uh, it's just after Jesus had been crucified and buried. And we're picking up at the beginning of Luke 24. And it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Amen. Amen. Look, can we pray together before we uh, carry on? Let's pray. Risen, living Jesus, help us understand what this means for us, what you mean for us here this morning. Help us understand more or even for the first time the magnitude of Resurrection Sunday. Help those of us packed with head knowledge this morning, which is important, to have our hearts impacted here today. I pray that you would perform some resurrections here this Easter Sunday where dry bones lie, where cold hearts beat, or where defeat and darkness have been winning too many days. I want to pray, rise up, Spirit of God. You have free reign here this morning. If you want to do anything different to what is planned, Lord, I want to say, let it be. Amen. Amen. Easter teaches us that all is not lost. The devil packed a punch. He gave his best, but Jesus took it all. He soaked it all up and he won. He's victorious this morning. I want to read a, a little passage from a brilliant book 
uh, by Simon Ponsonby, who's a pastor down in England. He's written some brilliant books. If you're looking for some great uh, books to read about following Jesus, I can't recommend them highly enough. I'm not on any commission at all. I just really like his books. But in his book, Jesus is Amazing, he says this. He says this. On Easter Sunday, there was one clear winner, Jesus, and one clear loser, the devil. The devil miscalculated. In that mo most famous boxing match in Zaire in 1974 between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, it was known as the Rumble in the Jungle, the heavier and more powerful Foreman took the fight to Ali. He pounded him for seven rounds. People watched in agony and awe as punch after punch, blow after blow, landed on Ali's body. His corner and the crowd were shouting to Ali to move off the ropes, to avoid this onslaught from Foreman. But Ali had his own game plan. For seven rounds, he faced his foe, toe to toe, and soaked up every punch that Foreman threw. By the seventh round, Foreman had given all he'd had. His strength was spent. His lungs were gulping for air. His muscles were stiff with lactic acid. But Ali, although battered and bruised, was not beaten. It was only Friday. Sunday was coming. In the eighth round, Ali came off the ropes and dancing like a butterfly and singing like a bee with a few well-timed blows, knocked Foreman down and out. On Good Friday, the devil had Jesus on the ropes and threw at him everything he had, seeing to sniff out the light of the world. By three in the afternoon, the Son of Man lay dead. The demonic thought the day was his, but that was only Friday. Sunday was coming. Jesus soaked up all the spite-filled evil the demonic had. He also satisfied all the demands of divine justice. It was finished. Tetelestai, it was full and sufficient. And on Easter Sunday morning, with a violent earthquake that shakes heaven and earth, as the stone is rolled away, Jesus rises again. And the demonic is given a knockout blow. It's good, isn't it? I might just continue. Will I continue reading? Will we forget about... It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. I want to share a couple of quick things uh, this Easter. To rise up and remember, if we could have the first point up. To rise up and remember... Our debt is paid. Uh, most times I am out. I don't know if you've encountered this. You probably have. When you're out with a friend or with family and you get the bill and you're like, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. No, seriously, I paid last time. No, you deserve it. You've had, you know, I want to do it. I'm, I want to be generous. No, I want to be generous. No. And it ends up 15 minutes of back and forth. You can see it a mile off another restaurant, in restaurants and other tables. But that happens most of the time when uh, I'm out with folk. And I think we can get good as I'm thinking of that picture. No, I can do it. I can do it. Sometimes we can do that when it comes to we can try and wrestle back uh, with Jesus what he's done. We can, no, I'm going to take it in my own strength. And Jesus is saying, I've got it. It's already paid. Don't worry. The debt of our sins are paid for good. It's settled. We're not going to get caught out this morning. There's no catch. There's no where's the small print. There's no what happens after. There's no, do I get charged again? There's no, Jesus, Jesus says all this from birth to today, but then if you send the next 14 days, I'll be back. There's none of that. There's no hidden APR. There's just a precious reminder 
it's all sorted. Luke 24, 46 says, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Our sin is paid for. Uh, I remember I used to like rap music, Christian rap music back in the day, and uh, there's a rapper in London called Propaganda, and he's absolutely brilliant. And he says this, I'm not going to rap it, just before uh, you worry. But I was half tempted to get Pete to do a drum beat. But I, I was like, no, maybe not. Maybe not. It says this. I might turn into a rap. I don't know. We'll see. We are eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is for someone to die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. He wrote a check with his life. But at the resurrection, we all cheered because the check cleared. I like that wee line. Fullness, forgiveness, and free passage into the promised land. The same breath God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. Isn't it great? That defeat of death and darkness brings freedom. And that means that we are no longer slaves. It means we are no longer to be held by sin. The resurrection put an end to Satan's separation war. Though battles will still surface and we'll still have tough times, we are no longer slaves to sin. There's a story in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas are traveling, preaching the gospel, and they were put in prison. They were chained. And Acts 16 Verse 25 to 26 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, just picture that. Just picture that. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I love that picture, that freedom picture. I want to ask church, where have we been slaves to? What have we been chained to? What has, been, what has us captive that Jesus has paid for? That we need God's power this morning. That we need doors to fly open. That we need his breath of life to be spoken over. For chains to be broken this morning. To rise up with Jesus. To rise up with him. A new day. We're no longer slaves. Secondly, nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big. So if we remember that our debt is completely paid... And nothing now separates us from God. We also learn alongside that, that nothing is too big for him. If God, through Jesus, can take the world and its darkness upon himself, then we have an assurance today, this Easter Sunday, that our struggles, our stresses, our stumbling blocks are not too big for him. We come to him freely. Jeremiah 32:27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? We've seen in our testimonies today, we uh, worship a God of 
miracles, a God who turns around situations, the God of comebacks, as we've seen in that clip uh, at the beginning of the service. He rose again. If death couldn't hold him, what else can? Not even death could defeat him. What power. What an amazing assurance this morning. And I just want to encourage us, may we, church, rise up and receive that in our bones afresh this morning. Not even death could hold him captive. Let's approach him in light of the resurrection and the marvel of that. But also, the fact it was for us he did it. And he is eager and willing to be with us in the big and in the small, in the mess, in the confusion, in the spectacular, and in the struggle. Jesus did it for me, and he did it for you. Nothing is too big. Third, you are known. You are known. Isaiah 49, 15 says, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That's a, a, this line is put to a mothers here, and I guess if we were to put that to you, can you forget your child, we'd all go, say a resounding no. Our, our youngest is seven weeks old, we're not forgetting him. He makes noise all the time. He makes noise, he makes smells, he makes more noise, he makes more smells. We ain't forgetting him. But it's a, God uses this example to show his love for us. And actually, he says, even these may forget, not to paint mothers badly, but a mother's love is so powerful. A mother's love is so fierce. It's almost unbreakable, but God's love is greater. Rest on that for a moment. It transcends a mother's love. God says, I will not forget you. And a mother's love, even though it's strong, doesn't do it justice. He knows and cares this morning. He knows and cares what's going on in our lives. He knows everything. And he cares so much. He cares so much. We've seen that with that awesome video of Zach when he had a headache. He said that prayer. God listened. He heard. For stressing about money, he knows, he cares. If we're ill this morning, he knows he cares. If we're worried about our job, he knows he cares. If we're feeling empty, he knows and he cares. He cares this morning. Isaiah 49:16 gives us a really great picture of this love. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands as the same way a scribe engraves onto a stone. This is permanent. There's no erasing. And what Jesus did being nailed to the cross shows that to bring us to the Father, he went through pain and suffering and has the marks to prove it. He loves us this morning. He loves us this morning. You are known. He also has a plan. He has a plan. God knows. Even in the silence between his death and resurrection, God had a plan. And it didn't look too good in that middle moment. And I think that can be a, a really difficult thing to hear sometimes. Perhaps hearing that very line is very difficult this morning because we're struggling. That God is in control, that he has a plan and that he is good. But we, we look at the disciples in, in this uh, 
in this passage, who betrayed, who doubted, and ran from Jesus. They struggled with it. We look at Mary at the very beginning of the passage, bringing spices. She was bringing spices to cover the stench of death. What stench? Jesus is risen. They didn't get it. Even though Jesus spoke again and again of fulfilling what the Father had promised and planned, and countless prophecies speaking of this coming to pass. They didn't get it. But nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises God, even when it surprises us. I love the promise when we have no control over a situation that God has it. But I wish I would remember it more when I'm in that, ah, what do I do? Where do I go? What's going to happen? I wish I'd remember it more. And a great example is in John 13, 18, when Jesus predicts one of his disciples will betray him and lead him to his death. It says in verse 18, this is to fulfill scripture. He who shared my bread will turn against me. And other translations speak of this line that says, lifting up his heel against me. And you can picture that uh, like a horse. A horse lifts up his heel. And if that happens, it's really unexpected. And really dangerous, I imagine, as well. But it's not unexpected to Jesus. It's clear that the disciples' uh, betrayal and the plan devised by Satan even served Jesus' exaltation. The enemy's plan didn't derail at all, but actually it served Jesus' plan. I love that. He uses it all. He scoops it all up, the mess and the confusion. He uses it all for his good. Easter shows us that all the way leading up to his death and resurrection, there is a plan. There is a plan. And that doesn't stop. That continues for each and every one of us here this morning. He has a plan. And the enemy's schemes are nothing compared to his power. The enemy's schemes can't compare. He is above it all. He is above it all. And then finally, we are to be a resurrection people. We are to be a resurrection people. I, I watched a program a couple of weeks ago about a, a, a guy who, whose mum was really ill on her deathbed. And as he was waiting in the hospital, and this guy was uh, really unhealthy, and his mum was in hospital because of ill health and lifestyle choices. And he was waiting in the waiting room. And he, he was over 300 pounds, and he was in the waiting room, and he grabbed a magazine, as you do when you're waiting in hospitals, and it was an ultra-running magazine. And he was browsing through it, and he, he, he saw a 100-mile ultra-run. And he just thought, I could do that. I could do that. And he had this overwhelming moment of thinking, in this space where my, my mom is so ill because of her lifestyle choices, and I'm headed down this way, I could do a 100-mile ultra run. So this program documents his journey in doing a 100-mile ultra run uh, in Texas, I think it was. And I'm like sobbing like a baby through it as he like, details this moment. But I'm sobbing because it's this moment out of death comes life. His mom passed away. But he made this choice to, to, to go again. He made this choice that actually there's more for me in life. And I need to make a choice here. I can make this happen. And like he's running and he's crying and I'm sitting eating everything and crying. And it's just incredibly moving. Out of death, there's this, this path of life 
for this man. And when we hear stories like that, it does something to us. It does something to us. Something in our soul awakes. And I, I grasp hope and I think, you know what? People can be okay sometimes. You know, God is in this. And the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus awakes our soul for purpose and hope and a relationship with a loving God who wants the best for every single one of us. Where death has had a grip, darkness winning, light and life can prevail. A future hope with him. There is something better. The resurrection is to be resurrecting me and you each day. So where do we go from here? To receive this love, we are to respond in love. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. We're called to love others as ourselves. Jesus spoke often of this. What can we do to love others? What can we do to be radical? What can we do uh, that's unexpected to love one another, that's sacrificial? What if Inverness Vineyard were a church that Jesus used that dealt in the business of resurrections. Resurrections of dreams, resurrections of marriages, resurrections of health and careers and uh, relationships and money. What if this was the place where people came that are broken and they see, we just see resurrection after resurrection after resurrection after resurrection. What if God had in this very room pioneers for resurrecting Inverness and the Highlands? What if there's a resurrection this morning of our yes again? To go and love, to go and be light, to go and be Jesus. Eugene Peterson says the practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe. Not just to believe, but to participate in resurrection life. Life out of death. Life that trumps death. Life that is the last word. Jesus life. And just as I close, our vision as a church is that we would be a place where people come alive. He wants to breathe life. And he wants to breathe life into the ordinary. I really feel, as I've been preparing, that, that God wants to encourage us in that, in the everyday, and to show his power and healing. And he wants to encourage us uh, that there's joy to be rediscovered in the ordinary. There is resurrection to be discovered in the ordinary, in the everyday. And through the extraordinary resurrection of Jesus, there's a command to bring our resurrected lives into ordinary spaces and places again. To take heart this Easter Sunday in the ordinary. So often we lose sight of the everyday because of the pursuit of the fireworks. We love a firework moment, don't we? And we may get some, we may not. But maybe there's a reminder this morning to rise up right where we are. And may our hearts be retuned to the joys of routines and rhythms with him. To see him, to be used, and to love one another in the spaces that he's called us to. And another word I, I want to offer up as I've been preparing that might be from the Lord is there is still time. You've maybe written yourself off and it's like this morning breath is entering you again. And flesh is coming upon your bones again. And uh, the Lord's just whispering, rise up. Rise up. Why don't we stand?